is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Monday, October 14th, 2019, season 15, episode number 63. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We've got so much to talk about today. The sky is officially falling in Dallas, and uh, the Cowboys get a loss to the uh, to the New York Jets. 24-22. Sorry, I was kind of moving around. I'd hate when, when people don't start things off right, you know? You get off to a bad start, it kind of just messes up the whole show. <laughs> Is that like a microcosm of what we saw last night or yeah. yesterday evening? All season. Yeah, pretty much all season. So it's been a lot It's been a lot to deal with, um, kind of watching this team and trying to make heads or tails of, of what all is going on. So I figured the best way to attack this thing today was we're just going to go down through some of the different things that were problems for the Cowboys yesterday. And I want you guys to talk about how that relates overall to, to kind of your opinion of, of how much it affected the game. And really, are these systematic things, or are they just kind of things that you're seeing in, in spurts at different times throughout the season? I really appreciate you taking this approach because I have so much on my mind that I'm worried that I'm going to forget yeah, some of too. it. me too. So, you know, he didn't even ask if we're doing okay. We're not no, doing okay. No, no. Tired? No, no. Bummed out? But we got a lot to talk uh, yeah. about, and we got to help these guys uh, get through this. So let's start first with, Nick, you mentioned it, the slow starts. Yeah. Um, you look at the first half of the offense, Cowboys Punt, field goal, punt, turnover and downs, punt, field goal. Uh, again, just not nothing. I mean, they're getting nothing out of the offense in the first half. And then the second half, field goal, miss field goal, touchdown, touchdown. Uh, it's just it's it, they're getting off to slow starts. It seems to be something that's continuing to happen. The question I have for you guys is, do you think this is about preparation or is it about execution? That was the big question in the locker room last night. Where do you guys fall on that? Um. I think the fact that it's been six games in a row, I, I mean, I, I would imagine preparation. I say six because I, I, those first three wins, they were they still had slow starts. They didn't, you know, just jump out of the gate. So I would say preparation. I mean, it's both, but but I mean, the fact that that it's it's their job to kind of come out and figure out a way to to get this thing rolling. It didn't help that your best wide receiver is out in, in the first drive of the game. I mean. And but it was their fault for for only saying we, we got four guys. That's their fault. Not saying Devin Smith would have made a big difference, but you know they were he was already banged up, and then to have him go out like that, that's on them. And hold that thought. We're going to get to that. That's going to be actually be our second problem. We're going to talk okay. about is the injuries. But Dave, go ahead. I've been I, I go back and forth in this all years. Like you know how much how much is the is the preparation like is it on the is the the head coach and the coaching staff to not have a team ready to play? Is it on the players? To execute. I mean, you can talk about drop passes. You can talk about uh, bad protections. You can talk about missed tackles, blown assignments. Like, again, how much is coach versus how much is player? But I will say, you know, I come on here time and time again, and I said, you know, say what you will about Jason Garrett, but the one thing is, like, he always has his team ready to play. Like, they they, they give him a full 60 minutes. They're blah, 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 blah. Like, I feel stupid for thinking that right now because, I mean, how can you feel that that was the case against this team? Uh, they looked flat and bad in the first half. 
they sort of got it together, but even like they didn't look inspiring down the stretch of that game either. So uh, they didn't seem prepared to play. They also didn't execute to Nick's point. It's probably a little bit of both, but it it all was bad and all deserves to be criticized right now. Amber? I agree. I think it is a combination of both things. What it's crazy to me and I still can't understand and I understand that every year you do have a new team and you can't necessarily compare it to the previous one but the Cowboys were able to keep their the whole team basically from last year and improved on it as far as talent so what blows my mind is when you see even the defense when you talk about the defense what they were able to do last year and then you look at how they are performing this year it makes absolutely no sense in my mind as to why there's been such a big difference there in dropping down rather than going up and as far as the offense goes same thing they do have talent We've seen them having talent. We we talked about this team during training camp, and me, myself, and a lot of us were really excited about what this offense could look like, and they're not necessarily performing that way. So it, it goes to both. They the, the coaches know what they have in their players, and it is up to them to kind of figure out exactly how to place them in the best position as possible. We're going to talk about that defense a little bit later as well, but I want to ask you guys specifically to the offense, and Nick, you and I mentioned, we talked a little bit about this in the press box last night. Do you think that maybe the inexperience of the play caller offensively um, could be a part of the issue that we're having here? You know, you start off the first three games of the season, offenses were clicking. Yeah, maybe they got a little bit of a slow start, but they were clicking. They were scoring a ton of points, and and it, it at least feels like by the time you get to the New Orleans game, either – Either you run into a defense that's that much appreciably better, which I don't think if you look at all three of these defenses they've lost to that they're that much better than defenses around the league, or the argument can be made that those other teams have now adjusted to what they saw in the first three games from the play caller, and that's affecting now the offense's ability to get going. Do you fall, Do you think that there may be some, some, some credence to that as far as how the offense is performing? This honestly felt like the New Orleans game all over again, with the exception that they actually got some success in the running game. You know, Zeke had 100 yards, so it didn't look as ugly. But it was just unimaginative, um, boring, vanilla, whatever you want to call it. That's what it was. And maybe Amari Cooper being out and Randall Cobb, for that matter, maybe that's part of it. But I kind of doubt it because they did it against the Saints, too. And maybe that's a better defense, but... I just I'm I'm not in the mood to make excuses for it. I I got home last night and I was thinking about this and I took the time to go through the play sheet and figure it out. So this is and 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 I can just I can picture it with crystal clarity. Uh, they had 34 first down opportunities in this game. They ran on 17 of them. And you say, oh well, half and half. That's that's balance, right? Taking out the end-of-game scenarios where you have to pass, you cannot do everything you want, just the main, the rest of the game where the whole offense is at your disposal, first and 10, they ran it up the gut 17 out of 24 opportunities. That is a 71% click. Up the gut. Just runs to Zeke, up the gut. Maybe a couple stretches, you know, stretch plays out to the side, but just here you go, Zeke. First and 10, 17 out of 24 times. And that is so 
unacceptably boring and unimaginative and not not going to work. Oh, and also, just in case I need to further emphasize it, those 17 carries went for 50 yards, which is 2.9 per attempt. Uh, they had one explosive. That's a 12-plus yard run. Five that you would call good, which is four or more. Eleven. Eleven of the 17 got less than four yards, and a few got negative. Like So, I mean, it sucked. It wasn't good, and they just kept doing it. And you can say what you want about establishing the run. I thought they killed the second half. They killed the clock in the second half of a game that they were trailing by uh, 15 or 18 points at one point in time. Did not get a single bit of a sense of urgency. I know their offensive tackles were out, and you know maybe you don't want to expose Dak to getting hit more than he already was, but the Jets have a pretty crappy offensive line, and they managed to do just fine getting the ball out quickly, running screens to receivers and stuff like that. I feel like I'm rambling, but I thought the play calling was was pretty atrocious yesterday. And whether that's Kellen Moore or Jason Garrett or a mixture of both, I don't know, but it, it wasn't good enough. You talked about them running and not finding success what early you, in the game. On, sorry. What are you I mean, you know, people started talking about like Jason Garrett kind of dipping his his self himself in there with Kellen Moore and the play calling a couple of games ago. How who do you think is actually calling full on the the play calling? Honestly, I have no doubt that Kellen Moore is calling the plays. Here's where here's where you don't really know, right? Uh, I I remember this back from when Parcells was here. Um, if you have the kind of head coach that he, somebody's calling the plays, but he's saying, "All right, here we go. Uh, it's first and ten. I want to see a run here." Okay, well. Yeah, the guy might be calling the plays, but he's calling the plays based upon what the head coach is kind of directing him to do. What I don't know is how much direction is Jason giving in-game to Kellen to call the play. We know Kellen calls the plays. You can see him down on the sideline calling the play. We just don't know how much direction and how much direction is Jason giving him before the game. I want to see us have balance. So I want to come out of the game and feel like we got 50% run, 50% pass. Who knows? I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know if you, either you guys have heard that. But at this point, I think the only thing we're left with is we know Kellen calls the plays. We just don't know how much influence Jason has over that. Sean Payton actually had a really interesting quote that made the rounds after the Saints game. He said it before the Saints game, talking about Kellen Moore and just about how it can be hard as a young play caller to establish your own voice and like I mean overrule the coach and be like no this is what we should do and and that makes sense and maybe that's part of what happening what's happening I mean it's it's an impossible thing to know like what's going on in those headsets and and even you know you can have conversations with people but it's even as bad as that was it's far too early in the season for you to be getting to that throwing people under the bus stage so there's no way to definitively know and that's why, like, you know, I, I, I just assign it to everyone and say, figure it out, yep. whether it's Kellen, Garrett, whoever. All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, let's talk about these injuries. Cowboys were experienced. Not only did they go into the game with a lot of injuries, throughout the game, they kept losing players. And, and it seemed like, Nick, as you pointed out a little earlier before we went on the air, it was the same position. Let's talk about that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. While a player could look good on paper, it's when he's out on the field that you really find out what he's made of. That's why the Cowboys rely on more than just stats and scouting reports when building their team. When picking a tractor, it's why you should rely on more than just specs and features. You've got to take it out and put it to the test. The Cowboys did when they named John Deere their official tractor. 
Experience one for yourself. Visit myjohndeardealer.com slash football. Do you want the most interesting, up-to-the-minute Dallas Cowboys news straight from the star in Frisco? How about exclusive and on command? That's right, news and nuggets you can't find anywhere else. With our exclusive Cowboys content on Alexa, you can have all the answers, secrets, stories, and more. What's Stephen Jones thinking during a game? What's Joe Looney's favorite pregame meal? We take your questions to Cowboys players and coaches, and you can hear the answers directly back to you. Just say, Alexa, open Dallas Cowboys. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping. The excitement of Dallas Cowboys football is back at AT&T Stadium. Place is going crazy in Arlington, Texas. Don't miss your chance to see the Cowboys live when they host their NFC East rivals, the Eagles, Giants, and Redskins, plus the Green Bay Packers and more. Elliott works his way through and walks the dog. Single game tickets are on sale now. Get them before they're gone. First and goal, quarterback sneak. Prescott pushes up the middle. Touchdown. Visit DallasCowboys.com to get your tickets to Back to the break. Welcome back. It is the second segment of the break live in SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're talking about the Cowboys lost 24-22 to the New York Jets. They now fall to 3-3 and a big division game coming up on tap this Sunday. They'll face the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday night football. Both teams at 3-3. Very, very important game. All right, let's get back into the game against the Jets, though. Um, Nick, talk to me about some of the injuries. I know you were yeah. you were before we went on the show. You were kind of charting them all and kind of putting all the numbers down, and and you made the obviously the the observation that man, these are all just like I think you said four positions, uh, which is when you think about that number of injuries that they had, it just being guys at three or four positions. That's a big, big hit for a fourteen. Yeah, and definitely when you have you know two corners and two receivers and and two tackles and and you find yourself playing in a game against the Jets with Brandon Knight um, starting at tackle, a guy that nobody you know really thought was going to make the team, much less start game six. Um, C.J. Goodwin, who we don't really consider a corner, is having to play corner on the goal line. Cedric Wilson's having to play wide receiver, and he. You know, has a decent game, but also had a critical penalty in the game just based off inexperience. You know, 83, I forgot his name, actually. But Bryant, Bryant. Vontel Bryant. You know, he's playing what receiver on the goal line. So that's what happens when you have multiple injuries like that. And, you know, um, it, it was it, it. it's not an excuse. It's just reality. I mean, when you keep having injuries like that, you lower yourself to the standards of, of the team, an 0-4 team like the Jets. And they were hungrier than them, so that you know, and they won the game. But you can't just keep having injuries and think it's going to be fine. It's not. I mean, that's why they play it. Yeah, I. I mean, it's it, not an excuse. It's just next man up. It, it, next yeah. man if, up. If I'm a if I'm a pissed off fan listening to this, it sounds like an excuse. Well, I get and I know, it. I know, yeah, I know that's not what you're trying to say. But I mean, I'm. I got the team stats right here. They outgained the Jets. They were better on third down. They won the turnover battle. 
Uh, they ran the ball better. Let me I mean, make what, point. what didn't they do better? This is this is where I think that the, the problem is, and I wrote this. This is uh, this team isn't deep enough to play like this, and the depth is not as good. And I'm not talking about Brandon Knight for for Lyle Collins or or Cedric Wilson. I'm talking about Michael Gallup not stepping up and p- making plays. How about Zach Martin and Travis Frederick? And I'm sorry, but I've said this all, several times today. But Jalen Smith getting three tackles is unacceptable. Like he's unaccept that's unacceptable. Now for a drive, for a quarter, maybe. <laughs> but for three for the game, one solo tackle, two for Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, that's the depth that I'm talking about. When next not next man up, but you're already up. Make a play and we need you. That's the problem, I think. And, and that's has. the key. When you start talking about these kind of situations, when you have that many starters that are out. It's not necessarily the guy that's coming in to replace them that needs no. to step up. Because guess what? He's just himself. Like yeah. There's a reason why he's not starting in most instances. The fact is, it's all those other guys that are being highly paid. It's all those other guys who are making Pro Bowls and all pros. Those are the guys that need to step up and do more and be able to be counted on and relied upon. I don't know the number of times I saw particularly the two offensive linemen there in the middle who are supposed to be some of the best in the league Mm -hmm. that were giving up, letting their guys get by, creating pressure, incompletion. So if you want to talk about guys that need to step up, to me it's not so much about those other guys. It's about the guys that this team should be counting on anyway to make plays. I thought third and one down on the five yard line was the play of the game. Jeez, because you know that that's one where they just run it right up the middle there, and and again, this is what I don't understand. I think I think Tom Brady and and that you know Dak. I think Dak could beat Tom Brady in a fight, but why can't Dak Prescott get one yard? I don't. I I don't understand it. I've been Tom saying Brady it since gets the guy one yard a on a quarterback sneak better than anybody. All the time, it's why, like why you keep be fourth and inches? You keep saying third and one. And it was it was third and and, and a, a ruler like or maybe the you know? Jets did it yesterday. Sam Darnold did it yesterday and just lean forward first down. It's gonna happen. The guy is six two two thirty. If he can't get you a handful of inches, what's going on? It, it's it's unconscionable. And and again, it just it feels arrogant. And how many times do we say that where it's like. We do what we do. We That's don't, right. We don't worry about the other team. Maybe you should worry about the That's other it. team, especially if two-fifths of your starting offensive line isn't there. It isn't. Maybe a telegraphed plunge up the gut on an obvious running down isn't the way to go. Like, if everybody's healthy and it's 2016 and nobody can mess with the Dallas O-line, awesome. It ain't that. Sneak the freaking ball. I don't even care that I don't even right. care that the fourth and two was such a bad play call God. because it shouldn't have even got to that point. I look like Paul Horning and Jim Taylor from the old Packers days of the you know the sweep like that. Like what is that? That was right in front of us, and we were just like, well, this ain't gonna work. Sam Darnold had a uh, you know, my buddy John Mashota tweeted it out this morning. Sam Darnold yesterday was just like, well, you know, it's it's the Cowboys. They do what they always do. They they played a lot of single high, occasionally two, tried to stop the and that's it's a different it's a different thing, but again, like the do what we do. I really thought that we're moving on from that kind of mentality. Nah, that's like, clearly, not going. I that's mean, not just happening. Literally, like you, the Patriots got where they are because they don't do what they, they do. Adapt they better adapt better than anybody else in the league. And and I, you can tell I'm frustrated because I hate bringing up the Patriots because they're such an outlier that it's unfair to compare anyone to them. But adapt your personnel and your decision making to the situation well, at hand. You play, like, fan- you play fantasy football, basic. Yes, right? I do. Do you, do you like having a, a running back for the Patriots? 
No. Why? Because you can never count on one. Because there's five you don't know who's going to play well. You never know who's going to get the ball. You never know. I mean, I'm sorry. Can Olawale get the ball once down there? Like, like how, we would all be shocked as hell if, if you know, something happened yeah. with a fullback just snuck it in there. That and, story I wrote in August about how he was going to have this big improved role doesn't I mean, look so good right now. I mean, just something different. It's, but it's always got to be fourth and in inches for, for Dak to maybe do the quarterback sneak. Why not third and one? Because if it's first and goal at the four-yard line, you know, I like my chances there. Yeah, and it it it, but, it feels like like color by numbers. Remember that? Like <laughs> it's like well, it's it's first and ten, so we run and it, and we get it to second and six, and then it's second and manageable. I'm so tired of the word manageable. Like, I think I it's think. it's 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 just frustrating. I think Garrett was just pissed off about about that and just said, "I'm we're going for it on fourth and two. When that wasn't the right decision, I think that was a bad decision by Jason to do that. You already got stopped on one yard. Now it's fourth and two. So at the at the six. I mean Yeah, let's which, let's let's go there because I it do, reminds sorry. No, it, it reminds me of the loss to Houston last year and you know, I think they punted and Garrett was like, well it was a long one and we hadn't been running, which by the way uh, you know, they they wound up, you know, establishing the run kind of worked. Zeke finished with 100 yards. They ran the ball well after halftime. They were averaging like 2.8 yards per carry in the first half. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't really there for them. Uh, so to act like they had all this confidence that they could get that after getting stuffed on third down is uh, big. arrogant. Big play. For some reason, if you kick it at 7-6 and you kick it off at the 25-yard line, I just don't think I just don't think it's going to be a 75-yard touchdown to. 11, whatever, Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson. I just don't yeah. think that's happening. Well, you think about that whole thing, and the and next thing I wanted to go to was the coaching decisions. I think there were a couple of decisions you can you can look at, it and it leaves, leaves you kind of scratching your head a little bit. Obviously, on third and one, we talked about other things they could have done mm-hmm. rather than telegraphing the running up the middle with Zeke. Now, again, they may have thought of it from the standpoint of, okay, this is why we have Zach, and this is why we have Travis. But as I've mentioned, they are not playing – consistently over the last several games like Zach and Travis that we've known in the past. They'd That's probably, not who they've been. They'd probably have an easier time buying four inches of space for the linebacker quarterback to push the ball across the line. Yeah, you know, probably. You don't have to take four steps back from the line and hand it off to the running back. You just you just fall forward and get it. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. I guess the question I have for you guys is, even with that being said, whatever they did on third down, do you think, and Nick, you've already chimed in, do you think it was the right decision on fourth down to go for it? Because if you look at like the numbers, there are guys out there that do these numbers, everything says that in that situation you're, the likelihood of you getting is probably greater than the likelihood of you not. Based upon where you were in the game, though, in the game situation, do you think the Cowboys should have taken the points rather than going for the kick? And don't forget, Maher would have been the one that would have been kicking. And, and so you have to factor that in, too, well, There's right? a lot of stuff you have to factor in. Like, you know, uh, they're going to get the ball back after halftime. So, you know, it sets you up in a good position going into the half. I don't, I'm not ever going to kill somebody too much for going for it because I, I like the aggressiveness. Yeah, I mean, analytics tell you that, that that's not a bad decision. Um, could they have kicked the field goal? Maybe, yeah, and, and I wouldn't have hated that, but... I don't. I don't want to trash him for going for it because I get so mad when coaches play too conservatively. Uh, I just again shouldn't have gotten to that point. And then on top of that, did not. Don't think that's the right time to run the whatever that was. Joe Burrow for LSU does that all the time. Actually, like the quarterback speed option mm-hmm. power thing. Like, I guess. I, yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, had that worked, we would have been saying. 
a different well the story would have been different well, in the way we talked sure. about them so that's kind of how it goes me I, i'm not as upset as them doing that i'm more upset to the for them getting to that point you know sh they should not have been at that point and the things that they're doing right now i mean it, it's just i'm just so confused by this team I'm really, really confused. I don't know what to make of it. I'm not ready to say, oh, they're going to suck all season long because I truly believe that at some point they're going to turn things around. But the story of this team is like, oh, well, they or how this season is going, they do it kind of too late, you know? So this is where you need to start making it happen and not wait later in the season when you're f facing teams that are even harder to go against. So... I yeah, don't know. That's this the big the big and yeah, like you know, not to sound like an apologist, this doesn't really mean anything other than that they're nowhere near as good as we thought they were. Like they were three and five last year, they get they righted the ship. Like that's all still in play. I'm not ready to worry about that yet, but you look at what's coming on the schedule, like NFC contenders, division games, AFC contenders. Good teams like this is this was not a good team. And to know that in December when you're, let's say, eight and seven, and, and, and I mean, big deal. You lost to the Saints like they are awesome. They're rolling without their Might starting be the best quarterback. Team in FC. So that's fine. You're going to lose games. But like to look back and be like, man, we could be a full game up if we had beaten the New York Jets. <laughs> That is a tough pill to swallow, and it will almost undoubtedly come back to bite them in the butt, even if they climb into the playoff race. It will almost undoubtedly come back to bite them. You know what really pisses me off? And I don't know why this comment pissed me off so much last night, or just hearing about it. It's like, oh, we're going to have a clean slate. Every week is a clean slate. We're going to focus on this upcoming team, which I get. That's what you kind of have to do. But no, like... Look at the crap you've been doing in the past. It is a problem. And like when Jerry Jones was talking last night and he he said he made a comment about, well, we won the turnover battle. Okay. What did that do? Didn't really do anything. So it's like just I'd rather them speak about this team more honestly. Like they, they're feeling for it. and I, But I, at the same time, I understand why. They speak the way they do, but I'm just, I don't know how to feel right now about this team. I think what we all know at this point after watching what we've watched is at the very best, this team, as they've performed this season, is an average team. They're 3-3. Three and three. They've beaten some bad teams. I mean, yeah, they've beaten some bad teams. They've lost to some good teams. They've also lost to a bad team. So at the best case scenario for what they've shown this year, they are an average team. Mm -hmm. It could You could say that they're worse than that. After losing to the Jets. But at the very best, right now, they're performing like an average team. And we'll see where it goes from there. This doesn't necessarily predict the future, but that's what we've seen to this point is that they are a very, very, very average. Let's take our final break. I want to come back, talk a little bit about the defense. Also need to talk a little bit about the kicker. We'll do that when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too much? Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus. A deal that's just okay is not okay. 
Get a great deal with America's best network. Come into an AT&T store and learn how to buy one smartphone and get a second one on us. Based on GWS1 score September 2018. It's time for Tailgate with the Otterbox boys. Otterbox? The makers of those crazy protective phone cases? The one and only. They're also wild about protecting parking lot parties from sad drinks. It's why they made Elevation Tumblers. Rumor around the crockpot is they're made from stainless steel with a copper lining to keep temps hot or cold. True. They even come in seven different sizes, up to 64 ounce the growler. Hmm. I like how Otterbox drinks. I mean, thanks. And that's been tailgating with the Otterbox boys. Check out all the colors and sizes of their elevation tumblers at otterbox.com. A man's Stetson doesn't just protect him from life's elements. It projects an unstoppable and legendary spirit, just like the men wearing silver and navy on the field every Sunday. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. They are still the official crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find Stetson hats in the pro shop or at stetson.com today. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel Will McClay and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broaddus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. To the break. Welcome back. It is the final segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. I know uh, tonight they got the happy hour going on, right? At the Omni. Yeah. Don't have my sheet. If in you're front in of me. the area, if you're in the area, definitely come check it out. Zeke will be there tonight. Oh. See if Zeke can make some some sense out of what we saw yesterday. Kevin Turner, Brad Sham, Taylor Stern, Zeke. And Zeke. Yeah. Maybe not in that order. Woo. But he'll be there. He'll so be there. Go check it out. It'll sure be a good that? time. <laughs> well, He's nah, scheduled to be there. Let's say that. He's, there. Scheduled to be there. He's scheduled to be there. That's All right. at Neighborhood Services at the Omni tonight, happy hour, 6 o'clock. At the Star. At yep. the Star. All right, cool. Let's jump back in. Um, let's talk a little bit about the defense. Sam Darnold had a uh, really, really great day, 23 of 32, 72% passer completion rating. I mean, uh, completion percentage, uh, 338 yards, two touchdowns, interception, quarterback rating of 113.8. Um, and if I'm being honest, I kind of was a little bit concerned about this last week just because we hadn't really seen Sam Darnold work in that offense with Le'Veon Bell, who was a big addition for them, but one game this season. And I thought they played pretty decent against a really good Buffalo defense. Mm -hmm. That being said, obviously yesterday we saw a a pretty good offense from the standpoint of at least how they move the ball. We'll see how the season progresses, and they have New England this week. We'll see how the, as the season progresses how much of that was the Cowboys being poor on defense and how much of that was really their offense being able to click. But what did you guys see in, in maybe how they were attacking the Cowboys that created all these extra, uh, all these opportunities in their, their passing? They blocked. They blocked up front. I mean, this was a team that gave up 10 sacks against the Eagles, and they gave up two to Robert Quinn, and that was it. And they had a, they did a really nice job of, of, of keeping a pocket clean for him for the most part. They ran uh, quick routes. I mean, they threw that ball out quickly, and those guys made plays. I think the Cowboys have issues. At, at, I mean, when you think about what's no, no pressure up front, the linebackers aren't playing well. The cornerbacks really weren't playing well either. So in the safeties, I mean, Jeff Heath made a terrible play to give up a 92-yard touchdown. So to go to go back to the fourth and two, another reason I don't kill them for that is 
say what you will about Rod Marinelli's tenure here. Like they don't get enough takeaways, blah, blah, blah. Like they don't do that. Yeah. Like they don't give up the whole thing in 12 freaking seconds. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you pin them back. Yeah, you're like, the, well, get the you know, back at midfield. worst yeah. case scenario, they'll grind it out and kick a field goal, and like you got some work to do, but big deal. Like that's what you've come to expect from Rod Marinelli's defense, and instead, they gave up the longest play in the NFL this season. I believe the longest play in Jets history. Mm. Um, mm. And again, you know, so Robbie Anderson, Jeff Jeff Heath has has had millions of ups and downs in his Cowboys career. We don't need to get into all of them right now. That doesn't typically happen there it happened against detroit last year terrible angle against golden tate terrible angle yesterday same thing against rams against terrible robbie angle. anderson uh just bad um they kudos to the jets for game planning quick throws which you know like i said if the jets can do it i don't know why the cowboys can't do it um and even even still and you know it's it's Monday morning. I need to go back and look. But, you know, I've, I've been the one championing Demarcus Lawrence and that the pass rush has been playing well on tape and not so much in the stats. I didn't see it yesterday. You know, so big big ups to all of y'all that, that fight with me about that because y'all win this week. Like, I don't even even with all the stuff the Jets were doing, they didn't they didn't. It wasn't good enough. For, yeah. And they, for me by the anybody. way, they were not doubling him. No. Yesterday. For no. the most part, they chip him every once in a while, but for the most part, they were leaving him out there on an island and just they were winning. I tweeted this, you know, they got a sack on the second play of the game and they drew a couple of really huge holding penalties, which it's not a sack, but it effectively works as one because it backs the offense up 10 yards. But it felt like that went out the window as the game wore on. Um, well, in the Jets' second uh, drive, well, they got okay penalty. What this felt to me like they were almost back to back, which they weren't really. But it was all while the Jets had the ball, and you got a penalty on Cheeto, then the one on Anton Woods. That I'm like, what are you doing, man? Chill out. And then you get another one oh, on Collins, yeah. then another one. Four Byron. field goals on the same drive. The four penalties. I yeah. said, wow, four field. Goals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it leads to a touchdown. Penalties. That's exactly right. Four and it penalties. leads to a touchdown. That's absolutely yeah. right. That's yeah. nothing. Touchdown. Check out the last drive of the game. Oh yeah, I mean <laughs> we were right was... behind oh that side judge, and he was just holding the flag. I mean, he like knew before the play began, he was just like ready. Like, the, and let, yeah. and let me say this about that. Um, and I know we argued a, a little bit before the show, but to me, if I get it that that point in the game, I'm not calling pass interference on on Witten. I understand that at the two at the you mean pass two, interference two, on the defender, on the defender for yeah. the two point conversion, but. It's it's in place now to to look at it, and this is the biggest play of the game. I mean, they score, the game's tied. If they don't, the game's over, just like that. So, just you know, humor me and say we're going to look at it. But we're going to look at it because it's a booth review. They looked at it and they said no pass interference. Just just tell me that. But that, did same they, with the pass interference on Cedric Wilson. Are you sure they didn't? Because everything that happens after the two minute well, is all me. reviewed from upstairs, they, right? They should tell us then. They should say. But, it, no, no. Play. What I'm saying is they just they watch every play in the last two minutes is the way I understand it, and they all two all penalties after the two minute. Are are, well, are reviewed from upstairs well, and they immediately like they look at every single not, no no not penalties but they review everything right I I don't know that I especially mean, well tell me I mean then then stop the game for just a second and just say that the play's under review and then just say, that, that's all I'm saying the same with Cedric Wilson's pass interference they should have done that it's I just a don't touchdown. think I think the difference though is I don't think they can actually 
call a penalty from up there. It's not like they're going to stop the game and say, oh, there should have been a penalty on that play. Yes, they right? can, because if, if they That's didn't, the what, what about the Saints-Rams game? What would have happened then? They would have had to call the game and say, you know what? He speared him in the head. That's kind of a penalty. We're going to call that. Right? That's what would have happened. Honestly, I don't know what this new rule. I don't but know. But that was what it was designed to do. Because if not, then then the, that play against Saints and Rams is going to happen again. Because, yes, you know what? That is All I'm saying is, is what if the guy would have grabbed Jay, you know, Witten's jersey? He didn't. He didn't. But what if he would have had that? Just, just look at it real quick. Because yeah. if not, the game is over. I still have yet to see an NFL game where someone from a booth calls down a penalty. That's what I haven't seen. So I don't know that that would be the rule that they could do that. that if not, Something that was not called on the field, they call down and say, no, that was a penalty. But that's the Saints-Rams game. That's exactly I, I, I what understand it has you. to be a I understand you. All I'm saying is I have not seen that happen and yet in the NFL. on Cedric Wilson, they should have looked at it because it was a touchdown. They should have said, are you sure that that happened? Oh, like, that certainly was a bad call in my opinion. But I can't. I can't. I can't bring myself to care about the Witten thing because it's for me that's the epitome of let him play. Like, I get it. I get it. Just look at it. Just tell me. Yeah, we looked at it. It's, that's all. If that's what would make you feel better, that's fine. But like if I, I as a fan of good defense, I constantly feel like defenses aren't allowed to do anything anymore. And, and it cheapens the game in my opinion. So like I, I thought that was a good no call. I've got no problem with it. I don't need to get into the OPI. People are mad at me because, like, I don't think that was a terrible call either, honestly. I think much like defensive pass interference, like, did Anthony Brown interfere on the play in the Packers game last week? Probably not, but he didn't play the ball, and that's what the refs are looking for. Cedric Wilson, I thought, looked like a guy who was more so trying to get in the way than run a route. Like, he wasn't looking back toward the quarterback. He didn't really look like he was running a route. I think refs look for that. Um, it, maybe that's not what he was doing, but that's what it looked like to me. Again, and and honestly, kudos it. to the Jets defenders because I think they kind of sold it too. Like Adams, you know, probably right. ran into him on purpose to make it look more like a pick than it was. Problem is, if that's the way that it's being called, it needs to be called consistently because there was well, a play earlier in the game. It was third and four. The Jets had the ball. Um, they did the exact same thing. Brown gets rubbed, and you remember he goes downfield. I think it was who was that Crowder? Yeah, goes downfield, twenty-four yards. Twenty-four yards. Yeah, it was exact same thing. And that's my problem with with these rub routes. It's like referees decide when they want to call them and when they don't. You watch a Patriots game, and I know we're spending a lot of time talking referencing Patriots, but it happens almost every single play. They have oh. all these schemes where they're rubbing these guys, and I'm like. It's it's hard to watch as a fan when there's not consistency right. in how things are being called. You're you're, you're right about and this, that, and that's rub routes are are frustrating because like it's it's a staple of offenses these days. It is, and and I don't have a problem with it. Um, I don't think Jason could have challenged it though. That's the problem I have. I don't think he can. He mm-hmm. can. It's a touchdown. It's touchdown because Witten scored, so it's a touchdown. All touchdowns reviewed are reviewed the from the booth. So. That's another problem, too. I mean, you, you, sh- you couldn't be able to, to challenge that. And, again, it's probably not going to matter. And I'm yeah. sure he's probably gun-shy with challenges now. Well, he said the- that this morning on his radio call. He was like, man, when it comes to these uh, offensive pass interferences, I mean, it's, it's, it's very well documented that the league – he said the league has actually told him, has articulated to him that this is going to be a very, very high standard by which they would uh, apply to, to reverse a call or to make that call after the fact. And so it's it's just not it's not in the best interest all the time to actually throw the flag, even if you could. The thing for me is that you you cannot you cannot have watched this game from beginning to end and think that two calls or no calls by the officials are why the Cowboys lost. And that's no, absolutely. Not. I just so 
Whatever. They deserve well, what they got yesterday. Honestly, they deserve what they got yesterday yeah. because they had a lot of opportunities to right those wrongs, right? They they missed opportunities yesterday, so you still put it back on them that they just didn't play a good enough game to win. I, I get, true, but uh, I mean, I do think that a call here or there, I mean, like the third the third and one play, I mean, that that was probably the, the difference in the game. If they get that first down, they probably score a touchdown. They're not getting a touchdown 17 seconds later, you know, down the 92 yards. I mean, yeah, I think that is – a difference in the game. But just like you say that... But they didn't deserve to win. Just like they say that, I'll, I'll move on to the next topic that I wanted to hit, which is Maher. He had a 40-yard yeah. field goal. 40-yard field goal changes this game. It changes the complexion of the game. If you just look at the score, yeah. it changes the outcome of the game, and that's a field goal that should be makeable for an NFL kicker. If he makes the 40-yarder, though. He made that 40-yarder for you, and the 62 was short. Like, no, we're not even talking about Brett Maher today. It's the same thing. Three points here, three points here. I mean, he yeah, he missed the forty, but you have to you have to deal with it because, you know, I believe this. He gets cut tomorrow to, for who? Brett Maher is going to get claimed by somebody. Okay, and here's my question on that. Here's my question because I believe wholeheartedly there isn't a lot out there on the waiver no. wire, obviously. But do you think that the Cowboys made a mistake by not going and finding somebody that could provide more competition? That maybe they find a guy during training camp that's a bit more reliable than Brett Maher is. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, my guy Cole Tracy still is he's getting ready for the XFL draft. And can I don't, he make a 62-yarder? He can make like a 55-yarder, 54. Enough. That's good. I'll and, take that. I, I, and if you can be consistent 40 and in, I'm, I'm definitely in on that. It, I'm, I'm with Nick, though. And listen, it's not good enough. He, he's, like, he's a 75%, 80% kicker. That's not, not good, good enough. But it's what they have right now. And, and we talk about it with other players all the time is you got to put your guys in position to succeed. If you're asking a 75% kicker to kick four times in a game because you can't score touchdowns, that's probably what you're going to get. And that and, drive was killer. That drive right there was an absolute killer to do that on the 23-yard line and to get one yard coming out of the fourth quarter to get one yard because you're trying to throw a deep pass to Witten who's never going to make that play. I'm sorry. I like Witten you know, as much as anyone. But they put him in situations, and I said this to Dave in the press box, what year in his career does he make that play? Does he go up Des-like and make it? You're not going to do that. Yeah. That's not a smart play. Definitely not in that kind of situation, no. right? And then, yeah. then on second and one or second and ten, one yard, third and nine, incomplete, forty yard kick. I, just, I think I put my computer up. I was, I was like, it's over. I mean, no, no. As soon as it got to third down, you said, if Maher has the Maher has to kick this field goal, he's missing it. And you're like, if he made the sixty-two, the just the law of averages, he's not, not making this. One. And and law of averages again is, yeah. you know, he's he's been hitting seventy-five to eighty percent. He's struggled from close range. He's already made three. Like I'm a big believer in that stuff, and I'm not trying to tell you. That you should be happy or satisfied with the job that Brett Maher's doing. But, like, we all knew it. Everybody here was like, well, like, he's bound to miss this one because he's is, made the other this three. Is the miss. And then, but, but he did it anyway because you aren't good enough down in that part of the field. And I, I struggle to blame Brett Maher for that because the offense put him in a position to fail, more or less. Yep. All right. We appreciate you guys joining us. I know it was a lot. We could we tried go to for hit. 20 or 30 more minutes but if we you will, want to. But we will pick some of these topics back up. There were a couple things we didn't get to today. We're going to hit it back up tomorrow. So make sure you join us at 1130 for more talk on this game and more talk on the Cowboys for this season. Until then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I am Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com. Radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!